You are listening to Seattle Sports Saturday with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hour three of Seattle Sports Saturday. If you missed any of the first two hours, first off, why? Secondly, <laughs> you can check it out on the podcast page, 710sports.com. Also on the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. You can subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Coming up in a half hour from now, Commissioner of the XFL, Oliver Luck. He will join us as the countdown, I think, is underway to the Dragons home opener against Tampa Bay. A lot of excitement. And, uh, you know, you can still. Uh, it was cool this week. I actually saw a couple people around town wearing Dragons gear, which. As have I. Yeah, which, I mean. One week in the books, you're already Let's starting go. to see it around town. And I think after today, when there's merchandise available for people to purchase, when a lot of it's been sold out online, it might be you might see that even more moving ahead, which is cool. Let's go. Let's go. So today, game number two of the season, Dragons got off on the wrong foot against the D.C. Defenders last Saturday. Uh, they fall to 0-1, but... Uh, there were a lot of positives I think you could take from their very first game. Obviously, getting the first touchdown of the XFL season, Austin Prohl, who I think was probably the most impressive player out there for Seattle. Yeah, still the offensively. show off, yeah, on offense. I think he, he did go five for ten, but there there were some issues with the actual surface, the field surface itself. So, like on one of Silver's interceptions on the day, he had two. It was because Prohl slipped and mm-hmm. fell. So there were some issues with the footing, and still, he had two touchdowns and racked up some nice yardage. I think son of former uh, NFL wide receiver Ricky Prohl, 17 years, I think, in the NFL, and, and he clearly has the football lineage. He showed that he could be a weapon for them. Yeah, and uh, you look at the Dragons right now today, their injury report, Casey Williams still out with that quad injury. He missed the opener. I think that's the person who I, most people in town are excited to see on this Dragons team because he's been, I mean, Skyline, teammate of our very own Jake Heaps, not just at in high school, but also with the Seahawks for a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's a Husky. I mean, doesn't get more local than Cason Williams, who has spent pretty much his entire football career here in Seattle, except for a, a brief stint with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he's going to miss today. Dylan Day, who, if you remember, he's got, he's got you know kind of a foul mouth on him, but shout out to him. Last week he uh, got a little bit in some hot water for letting a swear word fly on the broadcast. I mean, it kind of remarkable that this was their first broadcast ever and they had gone with live everything. And you know what? That's the only one we heard, which yeah. is kind of remarkable. I mean, shout out to Dylan Day for just keeping it 100 there. Hard when you you come off the field off on a bad play and you can be interviewed immediately and players probably not used to that where you have to like tone down your emotions and deliver it uh in a very rational, like yeah, edited did, manner. What did you guys think of the broadcast, just as a whole on ESPN last week, where you had the immediate sideline interviews? You didn't have to wait till halftime or after the game. It was right as people were coming off the field. Uh, what did you make of just the viewing experience, which is going to be probably different today, being in person? But what did you, what were your first impressions of what you saw on ESPN last week? I really enjoyed it. I, I <clears throat> pardon me. I, I I thought the interaction with the fan or not the fans, with the players during the game was great. It it opens up the door to some you know risky things happening during those interviews. But 
look, if the broadcasters are aware of that and they, they're comfortable with it, then I'm completely comfortable with it as well. Um, look, it's it's different. It's like this different NFL. It was so cool to just see it finally out on the field, see a product and see that it is football and that it's not this sort of weird version. There are some weird things. The kickoff just kind of looks awkward on TV. I love it. Do you? I actually really like it because I think you still will see, and we didn't see too many last weekend, but I think you're going to see some really exciting plays there where people, once you break through that line, you could take it to the house. And we didn't, I don't know if we saw, maybe there was a couple of them last week, but I think you'll see more this week. And you take some of the absolute violence. Like, I don't need to see people no. running full speed. Get their head get, taken off. Exactly. So you take some of the violence and the injury out of it, but you still have a opportunity for some explosive plays. I think that's cool. That The kickoff to me was the most jarring thing. It looks weird. You're right. Yeah, because they're just like standing there, and then all of a sudden they like get it, and it's like, okay, go. And go. But then once you saw it happen a couple of times, I definitely warmed up to it. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, all right, I see how this is working. We were just so programmed as football fans to what the NFL is like and how that game is played. That in our minds is the right way to play football right in quotation marks, but, I mean, the NFL can stand to learn, I think, a thing or two from how the XFL has gone about just their first, you know, couple weeks of existence here. I thought the – I really like the mic'd up between the referees and the replay booth. Yeah. That was really insightful. I could see that coming to the NFL quickly. And now we'll, we'll see it in baseball this year where the that was a big complaint that we had about all those replay reviews they have. They just come out and they make their out sign or their safe sign and they don't explain what they saw. And it's frustrating for fans. We just sat through two minutes of you trying to figure out what just happened on the field. At least tell us. This was really cool because, and they're going to change that this year in Major League Baseball. They're going to explain it. But this was cool because it takes it to another level Mm -hmm. where it's not just hearing the decision. You're actually in on the decision process up in the room as they sift through the film and you could see it happening. I thought that was so cool and something the NFL should consider adopting. And hearing the coach, look, they'll never adopt this in the NFL. No, 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 no. Hearing the coaches was cool. Like, yes. to hear them call the plays, the interactions that they had. To hear Jim Zorn's um, very polite. Uh, reactions on the sidelines. Yes. Come was, on, man. Come it, on, man. So good. And that's just, again, it was endearing. It, it automatically made me feel like I could relate to this, that it was just accessible. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Jimmy. Turn it. Turn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Turn it. it. Yeah. And, and, the quality of the football has been good as well. And you got to see, look, the game sort of busted open at the end of the last Dragons yeah, the game. Yeah, pick six. The, yeah, that, that really flipped it. It was a lot closer than the scoreline said. But I, it was just one of those things where it was. It, I was glad to see it meet the expectations that I had set for it because the AAF felt like it was falling short even at the start. And with the XFL... I don't feel that. And maybe it's because we have a team here and there's something to root for and get behind and there's a purpose, but it just feels so much different and so much more polished, well mm-hmm. thought out. The money's there. They've invested. They're, they're clearly paying people. They're not, it's not mm-hmm. some sort of shell of an organization. And Where they're having to run to the bank uh, yeah. to cash their checks like now, they did in the AAF. It may cost Vince McMahon some uh, some money initially to, to get it all started and going, but it just feels like in a few years from now, 
they'll get some things ironed out. And we're going to be talking dragons, and it's just going to be a part of the sports cycle in in Seattle, and the XFL will become part of the cycle. I think Brock Heward made a great point. We heard the interview earlier in this in this uh, show, but injuries are going to be the most interesting. Yeah part moving forward because with only a 10 game regular season you have guys going all out they were hitting hard last week because and these are guys that some of them haven't tackled in a game in a long time and they really only have like 40 practices under their belts and a lot of them not full speed or with pads so that is a concern they've got a team nine which is in texas and it's sort of like imagine a practice a giant practice squad team 40 man practice squad team for all teams that you can call up people from mm. but I still think that's going to be an intriguing part of this because guys are going all out. They're not really making you know business decisions as we see sometimes in the NFL on plays because they want to get on tape their best yeah. best material. And I, I think you know obviously this is not right now. It's not set up to compete against the NFL. I think they the XFL has kind of been pretty explicit in saying we're right now you know still in a developing stage mm-hmm. we're still you know kind of using this as a proving ground for a lot of these players and i think the goal for nearly every one of these players is to make it to the NFL at some point and you brought up the need for tape out there i think that's going you're going to see a lot more effort out of these guys right now than you would see maybe you know from NFL players that have that 60 70 million dollar contract already in their book or already in their back pocket you know uh, and every game's a prove it game. Yeah. yeah. I, and I think that's an incredible thing that the XFL has going for itself. And, you know, these players are very, you know, relatable in that they're, you know, this is a, sort of a last chance for a lot of these guys. And I think that's what's made, you know, like on Netflix, Last Chance You, I think that's what's made a lot of those characters so appealing is that. You know, this is really the last go for it for some of these guys, and if they're able to turn this into a positive, they're able to turn this into something that they can use as a springboard. I think that's going to be incredible. And you know, you're sort of in on the ground floor rooting for these guys, and it's 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 really cool to to see it from this level. Yeah, and all all the best stories, sports, movies, TV. It's about the three things: the rise, the fall, the redemption. Right, and we love the process of all three. You root for them on the rise. Then you root for them to fall, to come back down to earth. And then everyone loves the redemption when you get to and you battle back. And I think that's why people still love Derrick Rose and want him to come back and succeed is because they knew that rise in that MVP season as a rookie year. What what if you could get it back? And I think that you spread that out all, all over sports, whether it's the XFL, the NFL, anything, you get to see those great stories. There was a story in college football this week that really lends itself to the fall of the Pac-12. Oh. Can it ever get back to a place where it is among the elite conferences in college football and college sports? We'll talk that next. Seattle Sports Saturday, 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Tweet from Jorge Castillo, who covers the Dodgers for the L.A. Times. Uh, he tweets, Carlos Correa's interview with Ken Rosenthal was aired on the televisions in the Dodgers clubhouse. <gasps> if you guys watched, you're not going to believe this, but it wasn't received well. Wow, 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 wow. What I wouldn't give for video of them watching that yeah, interview. Just I don't want the Astros to win this year, but... 
if they are going to still win, please let the Dodgers win and let them face each other at Let's some point. Go. That would be oh, the the drama. Yeah, I know that's the the tough part about this is that the Astros will not face the Dodgers this season. They mm-hmm. will face the Yankees, which we looked at, and it is the series right before the end of the regular season. So there's going to be a lot at stake probably between those two teams and the the Yankees have made it known they don't like anything about the Astros and that to me speaks to the level of how bad the Astros are that they have made the Yankees look likable by proxy. Yeah, congratulations. You did. Woof. That's where you're at. That's so weird. That's a great point, Curtis. Mm-hmm. Like a few years ago, if you'd been like, hey, you're going to hate the Astros more than you'll hate the Yankees in about five years. I'm like, what? No way, Someone's sir. Someone's going to be more How? dislikable than Cashman? Oh, okay. Right. And, and all their play, like Altuve and, well, Bregman's not really likable, but like, you know, they do have some likable players on the Astros. And, and actually, yeah. you know, to be fair, I liked Bregman before all of this came out, even though he's one of those guys that if he plays against you, you, you probably like hate him. him. If he plays on your team, you love him. And before the, all the sign stealing stuff came out because he, he went into that clubhouse and was like, I'm going to speak Spanish and English 50% of the time because I want to bridge the gap between Hispanic players and white players. And he, there were other thing, instances of his leadership that I admired. But now, come on, dude. Yeah. Nope, not anymore. Nope, not anymore likable players. Speaking of pretty unlikable people, Larry Scott, uh, I mean, just (laughs) continues to rack up the L's. You could spell his name with two L's, LaLarry. This guy's been on the Nike sneakers app for years. He's (laughs) taken L's so hard. (laughs) (laughs) But, man, the Pac-12 this week took it on the chin again. Colorado, they're without a head coach right now. Mel Tucker has left Boulder for the much greener pastures and – in school colors and in the bank account for uh, Michigan State, he will take over that program after just one season with the Buffaloes. And there's just no other way around it, but the Pac-12, if it were a better conference competitively, if it were a better conference uh, in terms of TV money it was bringing in, national reach, I don't think this would have been – I don't think this would have happened. I think Tucker would have been much more content to stay at Colorado instead of chasing after a better job after just one season in Boulder. But, again, another good coach or possibly good coach leaving for a much more high-profile job, and it's it's the Pac-12 on the, on the short end again. Again. And this one was kind of baffling because, well, it's not baffling on the front that he gets to go home so to speak, and he mentioned that in his press conference, but baffling because if only a few days earlier, he said he was very much committed to the program, but in their recruiting efforts to get him to come to MSU, it either was the money that they threw at him. I heard that it was the promises of other resources and how they're going to help him with with recruiting, and that really lured him there. But also part of it's got to be that what's my real attraction to staying? Yeah. What kind of resources do I have back with the Pac-12? Where are my games going to be watched? How am I going to be able to help get my players into the best position possible? What will the level of competition in my conference look like going forward? I don't know. <laughs> what if yeah. you're, you know, Florida is such a hotbed of recruiting in the entire college football world. You'll see guys in the Pac-12 from Mike the state Leach, of Florida. huge fan of recruiting from Florida. How can you sell your program to those kids and the families of those kids without any sort of guarantee that they'll be able to watch their kids play. Dude, that's rough. Yeah. 
Like, I mean, it's a great point. It's a very simple point. Right, that the families of these players are what, like, we're fans, right? And mm-hmm. not being able to watch the games we want to watch, it is what it is. That's not our, our kin. Our, our blood is not in those games. And imagine the feeling of being not able to watch your child play in their collegiate game because of just, it feels like the ignorance of one man, honestly. And I know he's a, he's a shell, he's a puppet of what the, you know, the every president, and they all have the collective power. But at some point, guys, change it up. Let's get a line change here. Let's see a new look out on. Even uh, trot uh, a new puppet out there. Right. Just something that lets us know that you hear what the fans, because it's not just here in Seattle or in the Northwest. It's literally every market in the Pac-12 is like, what's going on here? It's on national broadcast. You have national broadcasters taking shots at the Pac-12 as almost like a punchline. Right. As saying, you know, referring to them as uh, cupcake matchups or you just, you have. Truck stop conference. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That is your national perception. And you don't see anything wrong with that. And it's Larry Scott's entire job security lays on the hands of the 12 university presidents that make up the Pac-12. And we have yet to really see any of them come out against Larry Scott publicly. Now, maybe there are memos that get sent between presidents that say, you know, this guy's a joke. Get him out of here. But comments made by Arizona State President Michael Crow this week, I don't get that vibe at all that the presidents are are against anything that Larry Scott's done. Uh, John Wilner, who does a tremendous job covering the conference for the San Jose Mercury News, he has some quotes from Michael Crow that uh, just, it's like, really? This is how you see this conference? Crow said that fans concerned about the state of affairs of the league have, quote, forgotten the complexity of the strategy. Also, the conference is, quote, well-positioned, and the Pac-12 networks are, get this, unbelievably valuable. This is all from Arizona State President Michael Crow. Huh? (laughs) What's he having that... that... I want what he's having. Yeah, I don't want what he's having. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, it just must be nice to live in that reality if that's you, you just are that is your reality right now. Yeah. And look, you just go back into the big sports, right? How many Final Fours does the Pac 12 have in, in recent years? One, the Oregon one. How, yeah. How many times have they played in the national championship game in the past 10, 15 years? Again, like they're just the success that he was supposed to deliver has not come. And the very even basic promises, one of the very first, he, the reason he got that job was saying that he would get a deal with DirecTV done. So imagine a political candidate being voted into office on like a certain specific platform and then not performing or following through on that one platform for a decade. Yeah, well, I have a, a pretty decade. easy time imagining that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for a decade, I don't know about that. I'm hoping only eight years. Well, max, because but. those people are actually elected to office, so there's some right. way to actually follow up in accountability-wise. Like, True. they have to run again and then get yeah. voted in again. There's a democratic process aligned with... There's a year of tenure that yes. you usually have to, like, repitch your whole objectives. And he's had that office for way too long on a platform that he has never... Actually, a very small platform, but that would mean huge financial success for the Pac-12 or a visibility success, and he hasn't fallen through. Now, you look at where the Pac-12 is right now. It is, they say Power 5, but it's really Power 4 and 1, and the 1 is the Pac-12, 
and they're not yeah. at the same level, the Big 12, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 10. Like, it's not even close. They're not even playing the same game. Can and will the Pac-12 ever regain its place among the rest of the Power Five? Because right now, it doesn't seem like there is light at this at the end of this tunnel at all. I mean, to me, again, taking a step back, there has to be. You look at the markets that are in the Pac-12, right? L.A., Seattle, Portland counts for the Oregon market, but Denver, you just go up and down the coast, right? The Bay Area, you have these massive, massive media markets, world markets. Tech gl- markets. Tech markets, global markets. And to think that these cities will become complacent enough to just allow this to continue and continue and continue doesn't feel right. That at some point, some some back, some donors, some alumni are going to speak up and say enough is enough. We need to change this because... The fact that USC is such a joke, I mean, a literal football joke now. The recruiting classes aren't top 50. Like, what what world do we live in where USC is a sub-top 50 football program? That recruiting people to Los Angeles, California Literally just walk outside and just, like, cast a wide fishing net, like, from deadliest catch. And, like, you're going to catch a bunch of dudes who can play. Hey, Crazy. We're about to talk to somebody who is doing a really good job of running a league. Maybe he could take over the Pac-12 if he's oh, got any please. free time. XFL Commissioner Oliver Luck, he's going to join us next as we count down to the Dragons home opener at CenturyLink Field coming up this afternoon. We're talking to Mr. Luck coming up here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. XFL scoreboard right now. You have the D.C. Defenders, New York Guardians going on on ABC. 6-0 Defenders lead in the first quarter. And it is an XFL Saturday, which is very cool to say. And uh, a big reason for that is the hard work put in by this man right here, XFL Commissioner Oliver Luck, who is kindly taking some time to join us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Oliver, good morning to you. Welcome to Seattle, and uh, we really appreciate you taking some time out today. Well, my pleasure. It's always great to be in this beautiful city. What has the vibe been like at, at CenturyLink Field, the lead-up to it, and now that it actually is game day? Well, you know, we're going to have, I think, an incredible opening game for the Dragons, you know, expecting over 30,000. It seems like weather may hold for us, which is always nice. And, you know, a lot of people are talking. People just liked, you know, the the inaugural weekend uh, with our four games last, uh, you know, Saturday and Sunday. I think people like the quality of play, the excitement. Uh, I'm I'm like you probably uh, keeping an eye on the, uh, DC Defenders New York Guardians game that's going on right now. It's on ABC, and uh, Cardale Jones is looking good. So I, I think there was just a nice, positive, upbeat attitude that fans had about uh, football in the spring and good quality football. Why do you think Seattle in particular has responded so well to the XFL? You know, I, I've always believed that Seattle was one of the most underrated, underappreciated sports towns. I've over the years I've been involved with different leagues, different teams, and, you know, played up here uh, when I was an NFL guy. 
you know, have been up to Seahawks games, uh, been to UW football games. Uh, I, I worked for five years, uh, ran the Houston Dynamo and MLS and come up, you know, for Sounders games, playoff games up here. And in every case, the, you know, there was just incredible enthusiasm. It was loud. I think it's got sort of the best across the board, home field, home match, home pitch advantage you, you can get. I, I, I don't know if I know why that is. I think there's just incredible support that people have for all things Seattle. They just, they embrace it. And, and that's, that's cool. So it was at the end of the day, a pretty easy decision for us, <laughs> you know, as we were trying to decide where the best eight cities would be, it would be it was a pretty easy decision to come to Seattle because, you know, exactly what's going to happen this afternoon with over 30,000, that's going to be loud at century link. You know, I think that's exactly what we sort of anticipated. So uh, it, it's worked out really well. Oliver, now a week into the season, where were some places you saw expectations exceeded last week? And where are some places you'd still like to see the XFL continue to grow? Well, you know, it's it's a very, you know, uh, young season for us, right, with just one sample size in in a sense of one weekend's worth of games. So we've still got, you know, a lot of work in, in terms of building our fan bases, building our identities, uh, I was happy overall with the quality of play, and I think it'll only get better. I mean, keep in mind, these are brand-new teams that were put together back in November. Uh, guys started training in December, so that was the first time that, you know, the the 46 Dragons or the 46 Guardians had you know, played together. And so, you know, we expect, we expect things to get smoothed out, if you will. Uh, I think that our TV broadcasts were really pretty good, you know, access – and transparency are very important. So, you know, letting people listen into the play call, letting people listen into the conversation between the sky judge and a replay review and the head referee, those are all things that are pretty cool. Uh, ESPN, ABC, Fox, our broadcast partners love the access that, that uh, we're able to provide. Uh, and we have to smooth things out there a little bit as well. Uh, we did let a, uh, an F-bomb get on national television. So that's uh, you know, something we're trying to remedy going forward. But, you know, it's, it's giving fans a glimpse of, of things that they've never really seen before. And that's, that's pretty special. We got a lot of positive feedback from, from fans and, you know, the, the ratings, the TV ratings were solid, which indicates that people really enjoyed watching and, and uh, you know, and, and enjoyed sort of the, the game presentation from uh, the TV perspective. XFL commissioner, Oliver Luck joining us on the Zeke's pizza hotline right now. And, and Oliver, you spent time earlier in your sort of front office career running the NFL Europe another you know spring football league out there how did your time running that league prepare you for what you've undertaken with the XFL yeah NFL Europe was uh, a, a great training ground you know for me as an executive but also for uh, you know coaches players uh, referees you name it right it was owned and operated by the National Football League you know it was a little bit different in the sense that we were operating in Europe right Hence the name. You know, I, I uh, ran, uh, started the team in Frankfurt, started the team in Dusseldorf. We had teams in Barcelona and in Amsterdam and Berlin. And, you know, so, you know, teaching uh, a German or a Spaniard or, you know, a, a Dutch, a Dutchman, you know, about football was a little bit challenging. Thankfully, we don't have that challenge. People understand, uh, you know, our game here. Uh, but, but I did learn a lot about, you know, startups and how much, you know, training time a team needs, how many coaches do you do you need what what's the ramp up you know to come out of the shoot week one and play good football as as we did this past week so i probably couldn't have done you know this job in a sense without the uh 
uh, the, the 10 years of time that I spent over in, in, in Europe working for the National Football League. Is there a little bit of that teaching element that translates, though, because you are teaching fans about some rule innovations or some new elements of your game? Yeah, there is. That's that's a good point. I mean, we we do have about a dozen rules that differ from the NFL. Our kickoffs a little bit different, punts a little bit different. You know, we've got uh, different uh, extra points set up. You can go for one, two, or three. Uh, our overtime uh, is different. Our we got a twenty-five second clock. Compare that to the forty-second clock in the NFL in terms of getting a playoff. So yeah, we do we we do uh, you know have to teach a little bit our our, our fan base. Uh, you know, to understand the rules so that they you know fully appreciate the game. So I guess there is a, a little bit of a similarity there. What about the players? What have the players been telling you about their sort of first week and the experience of sort of helping build and grow a brand new league? You know, it's very, very hard to make an NFL roster. Uh, you know, the the competition for a roster spot is is so intense. And the careers, I think, as you all know, are, are relatively short. So it's just a very difficult thing to make an NFL roster. So the guys that we have are literally the 450 uh, best players not under contract to a National Football League team. So they're, they, they want to play football. This is what they do. Uh, they're excited. Uh, you know, they all have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. You know, somewhere along the way, they think that they didn't get the opportunity that they deserved or they weren't scouted properly or had a, you know, just a, you know, a, an injury that prevented them from you know, making a team. So uh, these, these guys work hard. Uh, you know, they're all playing in a sense, not just for their, their teammates, but they're playing for themselves as well because, you know, the vast majority want to have another opportunity or maybe it's the third or fourth opportunity to, to get on an NFL roster. So I, I couldn't be happier with the professionalism and with the attitude that these guys have. Uh, and, again, they, they got that little chip on their shoulder. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's a good thing. That's a real positive thing. We heard from uh, Dragons head coach Jim Zorn earlier this week uh, talking about his, I guess, concern with – the level of access, you know, with the play call is being mic'd. And I just want to know, how do you guys plan on balancing, I guess, the level of access without giving away too much of what these teams are trying to game plan? Yeah, it's, a, it's an important point because, you know, the integrity of the game ultimately is is uh, what matters most, right? Um, but, but, you know, Keep in mind, uh, if, if if Fox or ABC or ESPN, you know, allows the listener to listen in to the coach, we call it eavesdropping, right? Um, there, first of all, there's a 10 second delay from when that when that play is called until you know it's seen on television. So it's virtually impossible for you know a defensive coach, you know, to get that information, interpret it, right? Because it's all you know. Chinese in a sense, you know, bingo smash Charlie. That could mean a lot of different things depending on the offense. So, um, you know, there, there are some built-in mechanisms that we have, which uh, really will make it extraordinarily difficult, if not impossible, you know, for you know a defense to get a, a tip of what the offense is running. You know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, football coaches spend all week preparing for a game. They know the plays that, you know, uh, Coach Zorn or Coach Gilbride or Coach Hamilton, or you know, they, they know the plays, they know the tendencies, they know what a team likes to do on third and short or, you know, third and long or second and long or first and ten. So, you know, there, there's there's very rarely uh, any any surprise. Uh, but we've, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to make sure that, you know, the, the, in no case is there ever any 
you know, any bit of uh, unfairness put into the system because of some of the, you know, the, some of the technology that we're trying to, you know, share with fans and some of the play calls. So uh, we have to keep working on it, keep very diligent. Uh, but but uh, we feel pretty comfortable that, you know, uh, even, even though, you know, the head coaches uh, have, have to be on their game, you know, people are going to listen in uh, that, that that won't in any way, you know, affect the, the, the quality of the game and the fairness of the game. Okay, Oliver, before we let you get out of here, when it comes to game day today, I imagine there's a lot of things you want to keep your eye on, not just the football on the field, but the fan interaction. What are you going to be watching today? I'll probably spend the majority of my time, you know, watching the, the, the football and, and, and the coaches and how they're, you know, calling plays and getting them into the, you know, into the quarterback. You know, the, the biggest innovation that we had is the 25-second clock. And, you know, I, I say that's the most consequential because it's in effect every play. You know, whether it's a first down or a fourth down, whether you're running a punt team out there or a field goal team. So, you know, it's so important that, that coaches are organized on the sideline that, you know, they, they can get a play in or a substitute player in, you know, in that 25 seconds. So that's really what I've been spending most of my time looking at. There'll be, you know, there'll be some great fun things happening in terms of fan engagement with, you know, T-shirt cannons and, and uh, you know, music and you name it, right? But uh, at the end of the day, I spend about 99% of my time focused on, on the football part. That's really what's going to matter, you know, for our league to, you know, build a strong foundation and to succeed and, and attract, you know, lots of fans in terms of TV as well as live in the stadiums. You know, ultimately, we just have to play good football. So that's really critical. And that's where I spend the, the, the vast majority of my time. He is Commissioner Oliver Luck of the XFL. Oliver, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule today uh, to join us for a few minutes here on Seattle Sports Saturday. We look forward to seeing you down at CenturyLink Field this afternoon, and uh, congratulations so far on the launch of of this brand-new league. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time so far so good, and uh, good luck to the Dragons today. Thank you so much, Oliver. He is Oliver Luck of the XFL. And, uh, yeah, just so cool to have him on the show here today, taking time out of, I would imagine, an incredibly busy schedule on this uh, Dragons game day. The Dragons, they take on the Tampa Bay Vipers later today, 2 p.m. on Fox. You can catch that if you're not heading down to CenturyLink Field. Uh, But if you're down there, I know a ton of us from the station are going to be in attendance. So uh, be be on the lookout. Wave to us. Don't, you know, approach us with caution. We are wild animals. So, you know, <laughs> just bring us some snacks and we'll be good to go. It is very rare that we are outside of these walls, out yeah. in the public. They rarely let us out. So, yeah. if we are, you know, acting up, check us. <laughs> Coming up next, we wrap up this Seattle Sports Saturday with our shout outs. Text yours into the text line 710710. This is Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. XFL update. Defenders adding a field goal. 11 minutes to go in the second quarter. They're up 9-0 on the New York Guardians. D.C., they they beat the Dragons last week. Maybe they get off to a 2-0 start. I guess that's, that, I guess that's the team we, we'd be gunning for. Yeah, I don't know. They might be that team. Who knows? Cardale Could go either way. Yeah, win, win, or lose, lose. That's the beauty of this new league. No one has any idea what's what's going on right now. It's great. I love it. Shout out to Newness. Shout out to the XFL. Shout out to Oliver Luck for joining us yes. on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. 
Uh, if you missed that interview, check it out on the podcast page, 710sports.com is where you want to go. But uh, as we wrap up this edition of Seattle Sports Saturday, we do it every single time. It's time for shout-outs. And uh, shout-out from the 206, uh, Jose Altuve for sticking to his guns. That's, uh, well, I don't know. And was it even him? Was it? Because yeah. now it's Correa. That's, and what Altuve said initially was that his wife was going to be upset with him if he took off his shirt because he had done it before and you know it, and he's shy mm. that's what he said in the post game interview he just really didn't want to be uh, you know on blast that way Bellinger saying yesterday that I just don't know anybody who would have the wherewithal after hitting a, a game winning home run off a Roldis Chapman who would say hey don't tear off my shirt and B go into the tunnel change come back out and do some interviews I'll say this about the Astros shout, I will shout them out for this specific reason. Do it. Shout out to the Houston Astros for giving us a legit villain in baseball. It feels like it's been a while that, since there's been a legit villain that everybody can point at and just boo mercilessly. Someone that's not just a villain because they win a lot. Like, it, you're not a villain just because you're really good, which is why, like, the Yankees are annoying because they have you know, 25% of the league's championships and they're consistently good and they always have a huge payroll and they're in the big market. But that's not really this level level of like visceral dislike and villain, like villain level. I, I'm with you. It's and also way to start off baseball on like the most exciting note possible. I wonder how this will affect, honestly, TV ratings, because are people going to be tuning in and watching games at least Houston Astro games all throughout the season because of that. Yeah. Fun fact, Curtis, you forgot to say uh, who that was from. We don't usually disclose who the techs are from, but that was actually from Satan. Oh, so, wow. Pretty cool. Pretty cool to have, uh, you know, Lord of the Underworld <laughs> listening to 710 Seattle Sports yeah. Saturdays. Wow. Shout, uh, shout out, you know? You can hear us down there. All right. Uh, yeah, you look at the, uh, I think the Astros, their very first spring training game, Sunday, February 23rd, it's against the Washington Nationals. Yeah. How Let's the go. baseball yes, gods yes, yes, yes. smiling down on us. I hope that that one is broadcast nationally because I would love to see uh, whoever is up at the dish. I don't care if it is some 18-year-old minor leaguer the Astros sent up there just to avoid like Jose Altuve or Carlos Correa now, George Springer, Alex Bregman. Like somebody wearing an Astros orange jersey is getting dusted back. Was it Strasburg that had some quotes this week that were some hot fire quotes? Yeah, he said, like, when I look back on this World Series... And I I, talk to my grandkids about this. I'll know I won't have any regrets about how it was won. Can't wait to do that. Yeah. Let's go. Bring the spice. This is actually the level of, like, drama that MLB needs. No, they don't need their game being questioned, the integrity of, and the fact that they've had a a serious scandal in 2017-2018. We're still waiting on the ruling in the uh, case of the Red Sox, but that two of your world champions are called into question. No, you don't need that. But as for the rest of it, yeah, you do need more headlines and more excitement. So certainly off to a a good start. Now if they can just promote their star players and let them be themselves, I think they're really Yeah, how about you just let people flip the bat? Yeah. That's an easier way to do it. Or wear colorful cleats. Or or... share the content that's created by your players, your star players. Yeah. It's, it's a novel concept that, you know, it's it's crazy to think, you know, maybe highlights? sharing videos and highlights is a way to attract people that don't watch the game normally. You know, instead of like 
criticizing Mike Trout's personality and saying he just needs to be more bubbly and, you know, promote himself better. How about the fact that he does insanely superhuman things? That's self-promotion. Mm-hmm. So you should probably allow people to have access to it. Yeah. This is when I'm really excited to see the unwritten rules of baseball enacted. Like, <laughs> Normally they're lame. Yes. And now it's like, okay, there will be a pound of flesh that will be served for this. And it will be – I'm interested to see what that looks like. Uh, some more shout outs on the text line. Uh, shout out to the Dragons going to the game today. That's coming from the 360. Yeah, we'll see you there, 360. That's going to be a lot of fun. That uh, parlays into mine. I'll just go. Like, my yeah. shout out this week is to all of the fans. Seattle amazing me with their fan response to the XFL. Even though the team struggled last week and I don't think, you know, put out the best possible product for it, the fact that the fans are still responding in the way that they are and want to be a part of this thing from day one, I think just speaks to the unique city that we live in and the unique people that live here. I think it's going to be awesome that those people get to be a part of history today. And I just want to shout them out. I also want to shout out the players because, you know, being at some of the practices and talking to them and getting to know them a little better, it's just their stories are incredible. And I, I just really commend anyone, football sports alike who or outside of sports that has enough passion to follow their dreams being even though they've been told no or that they can't do it or that you know they shouldn't do it for so many times i wrote about it at 710sports.com and maybe i'll retweet the link to that article that i wrote but i just think it's an interesting kind of heroism that's very relatable so shout out to all of them yeah i'll do mine real quick here uh shout out to all the people yesterday celebrating love yeah, yeah. Tom Wassel said this on air, so I'm going to shout out Tom Wassel for saying this yesterday. But specifically with men, we don't say, we don't open up to other men about our feelings for them. And we saw what happened with Kobe Bryant and how some of these athletes regret not opening up more to him. And they're going to have to live with that regret, unfortunate that regret, unfortunately. So. Be open and honest with your friends. If you care about someone, let them know. If you if you truly love them, let them know. There's no time to waste. We Tomorrow may never come. So just make sure you take today to the fullest. And also, it's Valentine's Day, so shout out to my wife, Molly. Yeah, me too. Shout, shout out, out to Molly. Does and, that make you jealous, Taylor? Yeah. yeah don't sorry. shout, shout out, out to Molly. How dare you? Yeah. How dare you guys? That's my wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, with Valentine's Day and with holidays also comes some added stress for people who may not have or or are looking for still. So just remember 1-800-273-8255, National Suicide Prevention Line. There's always someone willing to talk to you, to listen to you. All three of our DMs are open. If you ever are going through a tough time and just need to say, hey, can I talk to you or just some help, please reach out. Um, I, I, I don't know how many times we can say it. It will not be enough. We could say it every day or every time we do this show, but uh, just always be taking care of each other and listening to each other. Shout no, out to shout out to listening. No better note to end it on than that one. That's going to do it for us here this week. We will be back with you very next Saturday, hopefully with some Greg Olson news. I would Let's like it go, if he'd Greg sign Watch. between now and then. Uh, also, best of luck to the Dragons today. Shout out to everybody going down to CenturyLink Field this afternoon. Dragons, Vipers, 2 p.m. on Fox we got the Jim Zorn Show coming up on Tuesday of this week. Lots and lots to get to. 
Mariner Spring Training also starts next Saturday, too. It's getting real, and uh, it's time for us to go. That's going to do it for us. This is Seattle Sports Saturday, 710 ESPN Seattle.